the end of the day, our, our goal here is to create passive income that exceeds our expenses. The fastest way to start building that passive income is to acquire the assets that are going to pay for it. The fastest way to acquire the assets is to use other people's money. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Welcome to this episode of Expertish Podcast. And today you get more bang for your buck, a few extra guests at one time, a little roundtable discussion with three guests that you've actually already heard from. Jared Kelly. What's going on, Jared? How you doing? Doing great. That's enough from you. Uh, Ryan Bresnick. Hey, welcome back. Third time back. Right. Look, it's your third time too, huh? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, it's your third time. Yes, and Eric Hetzelberg. Thanks for uh, flying all the way out here just to do this with us. Yes. Like, great <laughs> trip. Yeah. One night of podcasting, a couple of whiskeys, and you're going home. Appreciate that. <laughs> cool. But um, yeah, thank you guys for, for coming over and taking a little bit of time to talk. And we wanted to kind of cover some things today that we all get asked kind of frequently and some stuff that people have written in and asked because uh, it's strangely enough, probably uh, five of the questions are the same all the time, you know, or five things come up all the time, all the time, all the time. And there's those few sporadic others, but also, you know, you guys have some, some, uh, Jay is not married. Yeah. <laughs> not. To answer that question, he's not married. That was question number five. Question number five. The other four. Fair, enough. Fair enough. Oh, man. <laughs> See, I knew I shouldn't have started with you early because you're going to get me the whole time now. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got, him. You got him. Get back to your list, Jay. All right. Back to, cool. back to the list. Get back back on topic. Um, well, or back to the whiskey. Yeah, let's start. Let's start with a few, few of the easy ones that we all the time get asked and one being the cash flow right and and you know a lot of times someone looking to get into investing they read a bunch of books they get a bunch of ideas but everything is about like this cash flow or they think there's a certain certain you know numbers they have to hit and a lot of times that's just not going to be possible with what they have to work with but does that mean it's impossible or that they're going to get a bad investment or that they should just not try until they can get to that point yeah, and I think the the burr buzz models or the things that go around, it's it's great. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great way to sell a book, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think if uh, another piece that we may touch on too that I get asked, how do I get into this? Go find a deal. Yeah. Go find the house. So that could be the number one way to, to get into the real estate. You find the deal, you're gonna find a way to make money on it. But don't always shoot yourself short of there's maybe other options, maybe other entrance strategies or even exit strategies that could make sense besides saving up a bunch of money or saving things up leverage. And I know both Ryan, and Eric, uh, Jay, we've talked about this before that uh, debt is what does the deals. How, how many times do we come into a situation where it's just like, hey, I'm a cash buyer? Well, I'm going to bet that that cash buyer got there because they leveraged some things to get that cash, uh, to, to get that investment. So where do you start? There's several options. I know Eric, you've kind of walked down the hard money game, walked down the find a private investor. I promise you institutional is probably not where most people start in this game. Just to take a step back from that even, right? 
the end of the day, our, our goal here is to create passive income that exceeds our expenses. If you can do that and you have positive cash flow through passive income, then it doesn't matter. You know, your net worth doesn't matter. Nothing else really matters. You, you can have that and you can retire. You can go do and live the lifestyle that you want. So the fastest way to start building that, that passive income is to acquire the assets that are, that are going to pay for it. And the fastest way to acquire the assets is to use other people's money. <laughs> and, and whether that's institutional money from a bank loan where you put down 20% or it's an equity partnership, right? You can go into find someone that's got some money. You're going to go find a deal, right? That's the value you're bringing to the proposition. And then you split the income that the asset generates. You can borrow private money. There's a lot of different ways to get into a deal. You can, you know, you guys have structured some really creative deals here that, that, that allow everybody to get in with very little money down at the end of the day. The seller, the seller could be that happening too. The seller can provide it. Yes. There's, you know, one of the things, especially I think that, like you said, new investors get hung up on it is the money. The money is the easy part. At the end of the day, there's a lot of money out there and it's sitting on the sidelines and people would gladly give it to you if you can show them a way to, to earn a profit from it. And if you can put together the deal, like you said, find the deal. If you can do that, the money will come. If you can swing a hammer and hit a nail, I probably want to be your partner right now. If you're a GC and you do some good work, I'll bring you in on a deal, right? Because I need to get these things done quickly and or any investor is interested in that. I got two phone calls this week. Hey, I got a GC that's so busy. I need someone else. Who do you have? I'm like, I just fired it, dude. So uh, who do you have? You who, who do you have? You have one that's fired. So I'm turn around. Uh, and then I think that sometimes we forget that our trade or our knowledge is worth something. And it doesn't just have to be money that's on the table. So but the deal's the deal is the deal, right? Buying right is the number one thing to do. You buy right, you get that under contract. The money's going to follow. You're going to be able to find that. You're going to be able to find a partner. And if you have a, an avenue or a platform where you're starting to fund or whatever those things are, people are going to want to connect with you on those things. So I, I think that is important to realize that the money is the least important part of this whole process. Yeah. I would say one thing coming from a, a new investor standpoint, and most of my conversations deal with my friends or colleagues, people in similar situations. We're working, you know, maybe not nine to five, but working a lot and our life is not investing or real estate. And Eric mentioned one of the biggest factors early getting in is, is this, the number, right? The cash, like, okay, you're especially buying San Diego, you're seeing a house price and you're worried about that. If you're buying with VA, you're, you're not putting anything down anyway. So it's not while the total number is, is very large and that's scary. If you sit on the sidelines your entire life, you're never going to get to the point where that number is not no longer scary. We've talked about cash buyers coming in and where do you think they got there? Well, they got there because they had done smart investing earlier. Um, so from my perspective, talking to friends, family, colleagues, their, their fear, like getting into an investment is the fear factor of, of now owning this and being responsible for it and maybe managing it. Are they going to have bad renters? Are they going to have vacancies? Well, there's avenues to fix that problem too. You can go with a management company if you're paying 8% because you don't have the time or, or the commitment to deal with that, but you know, investing in real estate is a smart idea. Then, then go that route or try to do it yourself. Do short-term rentals. You know, there's so many different avenues. If you're committed to getting into real estate investing, you can work out those steps and you can have a plan before you get into it as well. Um, so that's like the layer before finding the right deal and all that, being comfortable with it'll work out. And it works out for a lot of people. 
Well, I think that's a great point. And another uh, comfort factor is kind of finding that network or finding someone. I, I'll say I'll use mentor as, you know, just I think it's well, I guess it's just the right word for it. But for instance, um, Ryan, you, you know, you're a younger guy. You, you know, work with a bunch of people, but you've done more, you know, in a short period of time, you know, you've taken those first steps. So, I mean, you don't mind me just saying, because I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. Um, but like, so you're on like what your third then this is a pretty substantial project on yeah. this one. Your third deal at, at what? 28, 29, yeah. 29, 29. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but yeah, so like this is a substantial one and that, but that brings a, a few things. One is you're going to be more approachable than say some people, some people might be like, Hey, this person that does it professionally, you know, maybe a little either intimidated or just think they're going to be sold something or whatever. And then there's someone like yourself who will be working, you know, you're, you're in the military, you're working around people all the time who may then go to you just as that, like you're approachably know you like, Hey man, well, how was that first purchase for you? And, and you know, you could tell them the good and the bad uh, or whatever, and then tell them what you've learned. And I think that's what we all kind of try to do anyway, right. Mm-hmm. share, share the good and the bad. But I think that finding that mentor, just someone you look up to or someone who can also point you in the direction of other mentors is a huge, a huge thing too. Yeah. And I would argue everyone has a mentor at whatever oh, yeah. stage they're at. Yeah. So like the, I've had Jared's mentoring, yeah. three conversations with guys in the last two weeks about buying the first rental property or buying the first home just to live in and getting out of renting right now. So maybe I'm somewhat of a mentor to them, but I come to you guys for my mentorship because you have experience in the field and there's people you lean on who are specialized in different areas as you guys continue to grow your company. So it's like everyone's finding a, a, a mentor, but you're also growing your network as you go. So then you know who you can lean on in the future. I mean, th- our deal wouldn't have come together if you know we didn't sit down three years ago and have first conversation about mm-hmm. some of the opportunities that are out there. It didn't materialize yeah. for two years, yeah. but you know th- like that's how these things grow. And if, so you never put yourself out there or never start asking the questions. You're sitting on the bench for, yeah. you know, I think it's also important to realize the market changes mm-hmm. and so, so does the media. So there's someone in the media listening to this. I'm sorry that sorry. I have to share that. I'm not sorry, actually. All media is paid media. All of it. Every single piece of it. So this podcast is actually paid media. <laughs> paid media. All of it is paid media. So if you hear that, if you're not hearing about inflation right now, it's because someone doesn't want you to hear about that. They're, they're putting a different headline out. If the media wants to actually produce news and they want someone to pay up, they're going to say, Hey, guess what? We're going to put in, we're going to put this article out until you pay up. Right. So I think that's important to realize that the media, the water cooler talk is generally not where the, the big, the smart money lives. Right. If you're just trading on Robinhood, that's cool. It's a great platform, but my friends talk about that as dumb money. Right. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm saying thank you for buying me out of that deal that I need to be bought out of and being the in-person that got stuck with it. But someone needs to start somewhere. And if it's Robinhood, it's great. Thank you for taking that leap and, and understanding investments is something that you look at in life. But also realize that watch the people that are actually doing it, not the people that are talking about it. If you say, I'm going to plan to do this, that's probably not the... Tell, tell me about what you have done. Yeah. Right. And I get frustrated with this because I'm on the lending side when people are like, oh, my interest rate is this. I'm like, cool. Like, what rebate did you get back on that? And how long did that recoup take? Because tell me what the smart money would do. They, they analyze how long am I going to be in this house and what is it actually going to cost me? 
if you haven't built a spreadsheet, you're just taking advice blindly. Uh, and I'm not trying to say I build a spreadsheet on everything and have analysis paralysis, but understand that just because it's happening at the water cooler, it's happening in the media, doesn't mean that's what reality is for the every day-to-day person. Rant over. <laughs> Fair enough. One thing I was thinking about uh, while that rant was going on was, so we're talking about buying a rental property, or at least I am. That's the example I presented. Mm-hmm. But if you even want to go a step before that, I was headed out on deployment. I said, Jay, I've, I've got some extra cash. What do I do with it while I'm gone? You know, My first answer was just, I'll, I'll hold on to it. Yeah. yeah. Try he didn't go for that. <laughs> I was at least smart enough for that one. But then Red or black? <laughs> I need to hold on to it. <laughs> so yeah. And then you put me in contact with Eric. And I mean, that's a mutual benefit. He's got a or relationship there. He's got a business and he can, he can leverage that money as a private investor. But I also see returns on that too. And it, I knew I, I couldn't do anything because I was out of country and, but I didn't want to sit in a bank account, just right. growing. Like you said, like, well, you said Robinhood, but you can also diversify your funds. Like, I don't want to just solely go in on Robinhood while, you know, I have rental properties. So I reached out to Eric and now that grew. And then I've seen the success that came from that. And then I'm ready to take the next step and actually invest in another real estate property uh, or a rental property with Eric. So like, some of it can be building blocks. Like you don't have to jump all into this multi-million dollar rental company. It doesn't need to be multi-family and have all like that's not maybe a starting point for you. It could be for somebody mm-hmm. uh, if you find the right deal, like you were saying earlier. But uh, for a lot of like the the guys that are just starting out, uh, it can be those smaller steps. Yep. And a couple things there, you know. You guys live in your own world yeah. <laughs> and in your own country, little out here. You know, the rest of the country, we don't have to pay a million dollars for a, for a, <laughs> you know, a thousand square foot. What? <laughs> and so things are different, right? The first thing we, we've got to understand is that for a rental property, there's two components to it. There's an active part of it, and that's the property management side. That's dealing with tenants and toilets and all the all the things that come with it. And then there's the passive side. The passive side is just the ownership, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to do both. And and like Ryan said earlier, the 8% that you pay to not do the active part is probably the best 8% you'll ever pay on anything. So if you accept that somebody else is going to do that for you, then you can accept that it doesn't matter where they do it. Yeah. And you don't have to invest in San Diego. There are, there are great opportunities out here. You guys have found some, you've put some together in, in some remarkable ways, but outside of San Diego or California, maybe as a whole, you can go buy a rental property with $20,000, $30,000 and have a good cash flowing property. So that's an easier way with less money to, to get into something. You know, Ryan made an investment with us on a private money level. That was not a $100,000, $200,000 level investment. It was an investment that a lot of people have that they could start out with and make and start to grow their money. And like you said, get into the business, get around it, start learning and, and have your money working for you while you're doing it. And you're testing out a network where you do it too, especially yes. when it's a safe thing. Like there's nothing like, you know, doing deals with people or doing business with people. Yeah. And it, it, that's kind of an education as well. I feel like in people that want everything for free that are like, Hey, I, it just doesn't work that way. Right. Like doing business with people. That's kind of what the economy is based on. Right. There's like money comes and goes and stuff, but just like really supporting those people, you know, working with you, working with Jared, working with, Ryan, that's kind of how the money keeps flowing and you build that trust and you build that relationship that expands because now, you know, I've been 
work with people you work with. You've introduced me to a lot of people, Jared. I guess I, I can't just say you and you and on a <laughs> podcast, but but um, and then you know Ryan and now like I'm sure I'll meet more and more people that you know you've worked with as well as you know you've met you know all these guys and and some more and it just really exponentially your your network grows yeah. and the trust because there's that intent, intrinsic trust of like hey I know that if Ryan trusts someone. I'm already going to have trust for them. Do you know what I mean? It's same with you guys, you know, like Jared says, Hey, this is a good person. I mean, like, mm, maybe I won't trust that one, but Eric, if you said it, I would be like, okay, cool. But you know what I mean? You, you, but it is, that's such a great way to kind of leapfrog your, your network because just, you have that built in trust with other people and you know, it just expands. Yeah. I think risk. Sometimes we forget about the other side of us. This is so riskier. This is scary to put this. Well, what's the opportunity cost of not doing it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I know I've kind of beat that dead horse sometime. You know, another mm-hmm. podcast that we did is I, I think one of the greatest books I've read, Annie Duke wrote Thinking it. And bets. Thinking and yeah, bets. It's good. And when you say this is information that I have, if you're a starting poker player and you're making decisions and you're still thinking in bets and you're consistent in that, you're probably going to, if you just follow the, the basic rules, you're probably going to win some poker games. But then when you level up and you realize, oh, I'm sitting with a different crowd that they never even played the cards they had. They played the people at the table. They're, they were betting on something I didn't even know that it was there to bet on. Um, and that's what happens when you start to do these investments. You start to roll, rub shoulders with people that are making bets on things that you didn't even know was something you could make a bet on. And and to me, that's the most important piece. Um, and that's where I'm trying to grow in knowledge and learn myself is just follow the money. Well, how does this hedge fund actually make money? How, are they controlling the market over here? It's like 20% of homes nationwide are being sold to institutional investors right now. Why? Why is that happening? Well, do they what do they know that I don't know? And if they're if the big money's doing it. The news certainly back on that writing. The news is certainly not publicizing that. Like big, I knew the rent wasn't over. Right? <laughs> the big money doesn't want you to know. The big money doesn't want they, you. To they know tell that. you to keep investing in stocks and bonds, right? right? And you know, you, you mentioned risk there. Risk, you know, is is basically negative correlated with control. Mm-hmm. The more control you have, the lower your risk. Right? Mm-hmm. If you buy a rental property or, or you make an investment um, in, in something that you can control. Uh, a loan, right? I, I get an equity position in a, in a property, whatever it is, right? I have a tremendous amount of control over that. I can decide whether this property makes sense for me. I can decide whether it's supporting my goals. I can decide if this is the market, if these are the type residents, if, if whatever else. A lot of things are under my control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in every investment, there's risk and there's things I can't control. In the stock market, I can't control anything, mm-hmm. right? I can control, you know, the price I pay for the, at, at the day that I buy it. And that's about where my control ends, right? So to, to say that real estate is riskier or, or things that I have tremendous control over are riskier than things I have no control over um, is a bit disingenuous. And, and then just, you know, we see what they're really doing, right? They're, they're actually spending their money in real estate and, and buying single family homes, buying, you know, multifamily, you know, units and stuff. And it's built on in insurance, right? Like yeah. when you, when you buy a house and a renter is going to live there, you're essentially just mitigating risk, mm-hmm. right? Because all you're trying to do, like you described too, is am I making more than my expenses are? Yeah. yeah. And if someone else is going to mitigate that risk for me, that's an insane environment. And, and I really think about the same thing thinking in bets is how many times can I create arbitrage in that happening? Right. And, and arbitrage to me 
uh, is if I have to borrow money or if I have to put time and effort into something, am I going to get a higher return on that piece that I'm putting in? And I want to think of that because I don't want pe- people that say like, I'm going to spend money on this market. I'm going to do this thing. It's a one-to-one return. I'm gonna, the money I spend in, like I'm guaranteed to get it back. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing you could ever say. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to do something that doesn't give me at least a three-to-one return on my time or effort or money over a period of time that I've decided that that investment is going into. So uh, I think mitigating risk, the first step is what if I don't do anything? Yeah. If I do nothing, what risk am I taking? A hundred percent chance of loss. <laughs> I mean, the, the worst place you can have your money is in cash. And the higher the inflation rate, the, the worse that is, right? Everyone should have a savings account that should be should be liquid or very, very close to it uh, to cover your, you know, to cover unexpected costs, to cover, you know, to handle volatility in, in your life, in the market, whatever else. Um, so, you, so you need that and you need a certain amount of savings. After that, the money that you have there is is losing value every single day, um, and, and it needs to be someplace else. I, I believe that so much that last night I tried to spend all my cash. <laughs> just to, I didn't want it spending an account that, losing money. The difference between spending and investing. Yes, 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 a little yes, bit on that well, one. That, that was in the, thank you, fans box. No, I appreciate you, Claire, but in the asset box. Got you. My bad. My bad. But does your network increase? That, yeah, that's true. My network <laughs> did increase. So what was the opportunity cost and was it really expensive? And it was Well, and that's yet to be seen, right? Yeah. That could come forever. But hey, by, by the way, how's this thinking? And that's working a blackjack table. Jared. Um, fantastic. Again, if you follow the rule, follow the, the blackjack rules, you will win 50% of the time. But that's over time. Yeah. Right? If you hit on 18s, apparently. Yeah, yeah. If you hit on 18s, yeah, yeah, it's great. So, again, thinking bets. That's my, my recommendation is don't you don't have to be this mathematical genius to do that. Just think about opportunity costs and, and analyze your situation just a little bit. And understand that people that are writing books writing the book is it's not wrong to have an agenda. Yeah. It's not wrong to try and say, this is what happened to me, but and a lot's still good information. It's still great information, but wisdom is knowledge plus experience. And I don't know anyone that's had the same experience in life as me. Therefore, not everyone has the same wisdom that I have and the same risk tolerance or the same bet that they're going to make. So when I say, Oh, that person's super wise. Well, they're wise in the world that they live in. Hmm. Right. And that's totally fair. And I think as we expand that more and more, it goes back to what you don't know, you don't know. And as long as you can keep discovering that and mitigate the risk, you're going to win the game of investment and of and of making decisions. Right. Like not even an investment and investing in relationships. Right. Like I want to invest with people that are doers, not talkers. I want to invest in my in my wife and my family because I know there's going to be a direct benefit to multiple people in that. Uh, so, so I don't think it just applies to investing. It applies to just think about what you're doing. Don't, don't be part of the sheeple of just, you know, step in line, go punch the clock, go to Seven Eleven and get your Slurpee and go home. Like there's a, there's a opportunity. We're living in the land of opportunity right now. Um, and especially when there's drastic changes in economic environments, when you're in volatility and you have inflation, there are opportunities. And and it happens on the other side. If we lived in status quo, it's much harder to identify and leverage those opportunities. So when it's volatile like this, I think it's there's an opportunity. Consumer confidence is 
If you watch the consumer confidence chart right now, mm-hmm. you might as well be at the water park with water slides and <laughs> climbing ladders. And it's all, it's all over the place, right? So again, I'm not going to go back to the immediate thing, but I think it goes back to that. Like, think about the decisions that you're making and what bet is it on? Is it on you? Is it on that investment? Is it on the opportunity cost of not doing something? And I say, let's go. Let's let's go do a bunch of them right now. Let's leverage up. Let's borrow money, put the cash to use, add an, an arbitrage, create arbitrage in doing that. Uh, and just don't be an idiot doing it. Don't don't say uh, I'm going to make it so this is all on a credit card. That's dumb. Don't do that. Yeah. Right. Like <clears throat> don't put three hundred thousand dollars on a credit card. If you got to put a window of ten grand and something that you know, cool. Like make that bet. But at eighteen percent interest, it's really hard to create arbitrage. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's really hard. Good job. Yeah, good job. <laughs> right. One thing you guys both had mentioned, and I'm going to bring this back to maybe the everyday listener, uh, especially the military side. We always talk about risk of inaction, right? When you do an operation or your training evolution or whatever it is. So a lot of your followers are probably already thinking this way, but they might have not made the correlation mm-hmm. to how it applies to investing in their personal lives. So I would say like when you're, you're developing your concept of operation, you're making your PowerPoint slides for what operation or what, whatever you're going to do, you're thinking, okay, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. These are all risks. But at the bottom, there's usually a risk of inaction. Well, what if we don't go do this? And, you know, the mission you're planning is going to have a significant impact somewhere in the world. We're already thinking like that. So just making the neural link between, hey, this is what I'm talking about in uh, at work. This is how I was trained to think. And these are acceptable risks that I, I take all the time. Well, this is the same thing, except now it's providing you personal benefits instead of, you know, just work related or for the U.S. government. You know, like you're doing that with your with your life. In a lot of cases, do it with your, your checkbook too. Yeah. yeah, that's. I was just taking notes that's, as you were talking. I was the, like, oh, that's, that's phenomenal correlation. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, it really is. I'm gonna <laughs> produce that as my own. You know, if you're not working on this plan, if you're not working and developing your own operational plan for your finances, no one else is. No, it's just sitting there, right? Yeah. And and time's going by. Time is never on your side. Yeah. Uh, for this. Yeah, think about the things that you can tell what to do, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe your kids, right? If you have kids, you can tell them what to do. You can certainly tell your time what to do, and you can tell your money what to do because you're in control of that. Like, I don't know a lot of people that can walk into the bank unless you're a bank robber and say, I want to tell Jared's money what to do. I want to tell Jared's time what to do. You're in 100% control of that. Start there. Well, if you, and the one thing I'll say, the counter to that too is, that's if you take control of it, because I guarantee you also, if you don't control your time, you don't make your own decisions, you don't control your money and you leave it there. Someone will then decide for you because inflation will decide for you. Yep. Your time will be eaten up by everybody and everything. So you can like either live your life or your life will live you type of situation. So I hundred percent agree. You have full control if you choose to have control. Mm. Uh, that was, I think that was beautifully put because you look at, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you look at inflation. Okay. That's eating away at, at your bank account, but you also look at what your time is doing, right? You could be learning more. You could be reaching out. You could be in, you know, investing your time in, in developing your own knowledge based on something. But what else are you doing? Well, your time is going to get absorbed doing something. You're either scrolling through Facebook, you're looking on Instagram. Um, I'm not saying you can't go out and have fun and stuff, yeah. you know, like make personal time for yourself, but your time will get eaten up by a company that wants to utilize your time. <laughs> and what are you spending your money on? You know, yeah. whether it's 
Facebook ads and you know shopping online or okay no i'm actually going to save up for something and i'm going to close on this home because it actually doesn't take that much to close on a home you know yeah well uh, you before kind of back to stories which fresh that you talk you know you guys are talking about with you using your money you know investing with eric while you were deployed a lot of people too it becomes that they think it's such a, that it's more difficult than it is to reach out to someone and get connected to someone because you like there's nobody i mean I, I i can say from knowing you like you're a very busy guy and getting up for de, you know getting ready for deployment it's not like you have a lot of spare time right. you know what i mean and you from the time of like connecting you guys you you know because you said i want to do something with it you know connecting you guys and it's like talk to, to talk to um you know ryan like two days later it's like yeah, so we got it set up, you know, and transferring the money over and it's like done. And then you know what you're not worried about? Your freaking money. You go to deploy <laughs> and your money makes fucking money. Yeah. And then you come back because you took that again, you took the time that you had, which wasn't a lot, but you just took a little bit of it with purpose to say, cool, let me run this down. Boom, boom, boom. Take my money, make me some money. I'm going to go do my job and come back. To well, quantify that time, just real quick. Yeah. I think we had a Five minute phone call. I remember where I was. <laughs> and, and I sent you over the documentation, spent some time at the bank or whatever, doing the wire transfer. But that was 30 minutes, yep. right, 30 minutes, right, of, of, of your total time. Um, and you were able to earn money on deployment. So you came back to more money than you left with. If you get an email about sending money to a Nigerian prince, <laughs> yeah. don't do it. Yeah. That's not Eric. It's a different, it's a different Eric. It's Eric. I got to go with a different email scam. <laughs> One thing I was going to say is you mentioned, okay, you put me in contact with Eric. So, but there's a level of a relationship that we've built and a level of trust. I didn't go into that. I could have a five minute conversation with Eric and understanding, you know, like, what the setup was and I could understand it because there is a mutual trust through that, right. that network. So like th that also applies here. Sure. It, it, someone listening can't just go out and re talk to someone. Cause I mean, th there's pyramid schemes. There are, there's yeah, legitimate sure. things out there. Someone will take your money. Um, not saying be scared of this, but just do a little bit of your own homework. And yes. sometimes that homework can be just, you know, coordinating with someone you already trust. Mm -hmm. If I recommend, Hey, go to, go to Jay and Jared, like they'll, they'll set you up. Well, my friends are going to trust me and they have to do much less vetting mm -hmm. because they've made the connection. They should still have the conversation on their own and make sure it's right for them. Right. Um, but you can, you can pull out a lot of that time that we talked about. You might not have a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so leverage the relationships that you've already built. Well, it's also too, like once you build that trust, that's huge because as you expand that, you know, like you said, we, you know, We've been friends for a few years now and you've always been it's like from day one kind of talking about finance and actually day one i remember same thing i remember we we uh basically had a drink and we we're talking about like sharing financial information you know like trying to trickle that information down that was like the first first thing we talked about was that like you wanting to share what knowledge you already accumulated to other you know with other people and through building that relate you know our relationship not only you know did you jump on that one but also then there's trust like i have you know so when it came time like you know for a deal that we're we're doing together right without even getting too much into stuff again moving quickly that five minute thing it was literally hey at one evening like hey what do you think of this property cool like uh do you have half an hour tomorrow let's go look at it to like what do you want to do cool let's put an offer and like from a friday to a monday we're in escrow over you know there's other offers there you get past that and you're in escrow and like okay cool i guess we're doing this you know and then yeah. like let's get some contractors let's and, do some stuff in this market you're fun. gonna you're gonna need that too because yeah. if you go into something hesitant the opportunity is oh, not going to be there in a few days say. you know so developing those relationships and that trust mm -hmm. up front 
may pay off down the road when mm-hmm. you're presented with an opportunity and you have to jump on it quickly. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's cliche, but it's a hundred percent true. Your, your network is your net worth, right? Mm-hmm. And the more people, you know, the the higher your, your value is going to be, um, the higher value to other people and, and, you know, your higher, your personal worth is going to be, um, just because you're going to be introduced to situations that you wouldn't have been in otherwise. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're going to get, you know, Ryan mentioned earlier, you know, you can get that opportunity for mentorship. Mm-hmm. You can get financial opportunities presented to you just by the people you surround yourself with. So if, if yes, if you're scrolling Facebook and, and, you know, just looking at pictures or whatever that or Instagram, that's fine, but it's not growing your network. Be intentional about who you go, who you go out, you know, come find Ryan, have that conversation, find Jay and Jared, have the conversation with them, learn from them, you know, everything you can provide, find a way to provide value to people and then they'll provide value to you. That, that, I was just before you, you set up an incubator, you know, bring people together and do something <laughs> like that. We can do that, you know, just. We find a here. building, find a place where you can pull people together and share these ideas. Yeah. Yes. I think we could do that, yeah, but, but only if you, if you, uh, only you have to tie in with I this. Mean, my network is my net worth, right? Yeah. So I've got to be involved yeah. in that. It's done. If if you're you created in, a business. If you're interested in building an incubator, I am very interested in helping promote and do that. Uh, not a phenomenal idea. Not, not just to, to help get people off the ground, but to create a network and commonality, yeah. right? Yeah. And okay, so I'll use this as an example. Don't say arbitrage. It's not arbitrage. So the most frustrating room in a building to me is the conference room. It's the freaking biggest room that people use never, right? So I don't, it just doesn't make sense. So I'm, I look at opportunities like that and say, hey, if we're going to create an incubator, we're going to, we're going to have a building that we're going to operate our companies in. Why wouldn't we just share the conference room? Why don't we just share a kitchen and a bathroom? Because it's not like someone's going to work in the bathroom. Let's share those things and create a network in that, right? And so if you want to invest or help or be a part of a veteran incubator in San Diego that wants to have impact and is done in a sustainable and economic and effective way, let's go. Let's go. There you go. Hey, <laughs> seriously, if you if it's something anybody's listening is inter- interested in that, just go to expertishpodcast.com and fill out the little form, throw it in the comment, and screw it. We'll do it. Yeah, I can't believe that idea that took a, off like that. <laughs> Ryan, everyone, wow. oh, man, look at that. All these times we met with Ryan, like, finally, right? <laughs> finally. Well, hey, if people want to do it, we'll do it. Uh, well, let's let's just describe what is an incubator? What does it even mean? Like, mm-hmm. I only know about it from, like, the, the chicken. You put them in an the incubator, right? raise some chicken. Right, right. Back, to, back to Indiana. Yeah, that's yeah. Time. So they're doing the farm, right? When it's cold out, you put them in the incubator. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, right? right? Well, okay. so you're out here for a mastermind. You didn't actually just come out to sit on Jay's podcast, although that was a big part of it too, man. <laughs> Don't tell Jay. What it was mostly for Jay's podcast. I'm mastermind for two days. An incubator is a master uh, is a master class Monday through Friday, right? Because who do you have in that building? You have experts in different fields coming together. They're working their own projects, but someone has an idea and that's a sounding board for them to, hey, hey, Jared, I'm getting into this investment piece on this project. What do you think here and what works? Right. Okay, well, well, not only have you potentially nailed down a, a, in a, another investor because he really likes the idea, or he, he's like, hey, I'm shooting holes in this because you gotta, you gotta watch out for what you're getting into. Like that, that is valuable because you just got experience 
you know, you talked about wisdom earlier, but so you've just, you have a sounding board all around the, the office and you have connections. People can come in and they can give, whether it's just a conversation with a few people who are interested, like Eric, who, who flies out for, you know, a mastermind class. And then, well, now he's at the incubator for a few hours and you can have those discussions because that's where ideas are, are grown and incubated. Arbitrage over here. <laughs> In those environments. And yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's an awesome idea. If you guys, if you do set a day two and get it off the ground, like, one, I'd love to be involved with it and mm-hmm. whatever. Well, you're on the hook now. I'm on the hook. You brought it up. <laughs> you're the one we have a four-person board <laughs> but I'm sitting at this table. I'm very confident in the expertise that you guys would be able to bring in uh, into that building and share it. Because there's a lot of people out there who want to give back uh, to the communities that they came from. Mm-hmm. Um, veterans, for example, are always wanting to reach out and help other veterans who are getting started. And you're helping the generation behind you. A pay it forward is a really common term that we always use. Um, so I think that just gives it a location yeah. uh, for people to come in and, and, and start their ideas. All right. Let's do it. And veteran or active duty, let's just stick to what we know because that's what we've been focused on all time. Veteran active duty, let us know. And I think most businesses, as, as they may be complex in the theory of what they're doing, come down to one thing. And that's the same thing that Eric talked about at the beginning. You have expenses mm-hmm. and you have revenue. One has to outweigh the other. That's the whole game in this, right? So I think masterclass in any incubator is understand your PL. Mm-hmm. And PL stands for profit and loss. Like understand a PL and you understand the whole game. I, I say today I've looked at so many PLs. I help I've helped run them. I can tell where the where the company is putting their culture and what that looks like by simply just looking at a PL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and someone says, oh, that's weird. You're just looking at numbers, but you can tell people's salaries. You can tell people's uh, what they do for fun, where they're using marketing. Is that sustainable? Is that not sustainable? It's simple, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that I could look at your PL and tell how you run your business. Mm-hmm. Tell I can tell what's important. You, mean you could tell how Maya runs my business. Tell how Maya runs your <laughs> business, right? My twenty five thousand dollars. That's arbitrage. <laughs> 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 she invested that money into something right? else. Made probably, if she did, she'd probably yeah. make a good return. Actually, there's only three ways to cover expenses. Yeah. You can cover it with income. You can cover it by selling assets. And you can cover it by incurring liabilities. Mm-hmm. That, that's the three ways that you can cover it. And, and you can anyone who's got knowledge at all, just like you just said, Jared, we can look at a PL. And see how how's a business covering their expenses. Yeah. First, first of all, what are their expenses? Are they reasonable? You know, but but second, how are they covering it? Right, and and that's true in your personal life too, right? Are are you doing something? Are is your is your job covering your expenses? Are you having to use your credit card or incur debt every month just to cover expenses? Did you sell your car last month to make your you know your expense payments? We can tell how healthy you are. Uh, from a, from a personal level, at a corporate level, at a country level, all of it, <laughs> just by looking at those those. How are you covering your expenses? Right. You're trying to get me yeah. riled up. You can spend money though. We can see how. Can I see? <laughs> we go. Can, can I spend money to cover my losses? Legal. We can see how the United States is covering their expenses, right? We've got a good printer up there, right? Got me thinking now. There you go. It goes back to a truly healthy environment, in my opinion 
is one where you have assets that produce income and that income exceeds your expenses. And then you just don't have to worry about it. Right. right. It doesn't matter what you do with your time. It doesn't matter what you do with the rest of your money. You, you have that freedom because your assets are producing the income that covers those expenses. And along those same lines, I think there's three ways to build wealth in this country in a capitalistic environment. You can uh, monetize a company, you can grow and monetize a company, you can do it through real estate, or you can inherit it. So <laughs> there's three options. I hope I hope number three works out for most of you. But if it doesn't, I would highly suggest understanding how to build a business and monetize that. So let it working for you, like you described, or having an exit strategy to sell it or some, some event like that, or investing in real estate. Uh, if you look at the, the net worth of the top people in the United States of America, it has been in one of those three areas. Bet. <laughs> Talk about monetizing the company. So I listened to the NPR podcast, How I Built This or How uh -huh. We Built This. Yes. I find it so fascinating. Yeah. And every story that comes on there, there was someone who didn't know what they were doing and they worked through the challenges until they had a company that they could either sell or grow into what we know it today. Like, yeah. I think the last one I listened to was Chipotle. Yeah. And the guy went to culinary school to become a chef. And then he opened Chipotle so that he could finance his high scale restaurant. And then Chipotle took off because <laughs> he did it so well. He had challenges along the way, but he had to find investors. He needed to grow. He needed to partner with McDonald's and he worked through all this stuff. So maybe a little off track there, but like the, the people, the, the people who have made it really big in this country are, are the type of people who dove into something and they didn't have the answers to what the end state was going to look like. They, they figured it a lot out along the way. Jay and I were talking this week, we've got a project going and we got into it with, I don't know what, 75% solution on what we thought it would look like. And then we're like, and that's maybe generous, you know, yeah. I'm, it's, but we're taking a lot of credit there, <laughs> but it, it it's, coin toss. Maybe we trusted the people we're working with to, okay, we're going to have, we're going to run into issues and then we're going to solve those issues as we go. And th that will continue to happen in anything you do. But back to like what we were talking about in the very beginning, just trying to get people involved in investing or bettering their position in, in life financially is well, be comfortable with doing that. And look at, look at the people that we all follow now. You know, you look at Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, and I know those are the two like really popular ones out there. But if you look at any other founder, what they did was started with what they could and then just start working from there. Yeah, that's big. You got to start somewhere. I'm still hoping that whole business thing works out because in, in the new theory, I guess our theory is just keep, just keep starting businesses until all of them work out. Right. <laughs> when in doubt, start a new business. Yeah. Or actually it's more like when someone pisses me off, we just want to take a business. And, and as Ryan mentioned the same thing, like if you identify a problem and there's a, there's a scale that's issue, that's there's a scale issue that happens because I've grown businesses and I've sold businesses and, when you get to a certain scale, you start to lose control because you end up with middle management, you end up with a telephone game, you end up with situations where your expenses are higher for producing the exact same thing in the, in the exact same environment. Yeah. It's a diminishing return. So I think that, you know, you're looking to that, that point of where you're going to have a takeoff and you're going to get the hockey stick, but you can't go past the point of, you know, you look at any graphs and what happens at the top, there's a dip and comes down to the bottom. And the, the point isn't not to turn that corner. The point is to say, what problem am I now going to solve in the same situation? Because what got you here is not going to get you there. Mm -hmm. And that's another great book that I would highly recommend is understanding when you, when you're growing something or when you learn the next level, what got you that point 
isn't going to get you to the next yeah. the next place either. It's true. Good advice from Jared. Oh, man. Thank you. Uh, a compliment from Jared. I know. Better just really soak that one in. <laughs> there may not be another. Switching gears a little bit, because this is a question I was going to mm-hmm. pose to Eric before we, we sat down. But I was listening to your guys' podcast, uh, and he was talking about investing your Roth IRA and have making self-managed IRA, you know, something that you can have a little bit more control over because you're taking out maybe those middlemen, the, those expenses in between. Um, so you had hit it on your last podcast or a previous podcast, and they can reference that if they want to learn a little bit more, but that's something it, it perked my interest because I was like, Hey, I, I, I've got this money and it's being invested through Edward Jones. And I've, I set that up a long time ago and I just wanted something that was out of my control for a while but I'm ready to take a little bit more ownership of that and stop paying random fees for, you know, something that I can do myself um, or I can invest in real estate and I can switch it over a market that I do currently know more about than stocks, bonds and all of that. So I don't know if you want to chime in Eric with a little bit of that program, but there's also a tax benefit to that too. That money is growing tax free. Yeah. You know, I mean, a Roth IRA is, is, one of my favorite things it is it's one of the most powerful things out there. Right. Because, because everything that you do, and especially if you're going to, if you are really going to take control of your, your finances, you can, you can have some phenomenal growth and it is tax-free for the rest of your life. And, and, you know, not paying taxes is a, is a significant way to increase your income and increase your, your net worth. Um, so, you know, self-directed IRA through a custodian, and there's a lot of them out there, but um, specialized IRA and equity trust are, are a couple that, that I can think of right offhand. You can put your money in there. You can take it out of an Edward Jones account or wherever, you know, a traditional custodian is transferred over to, to one of those companies. And, and then you direct where that investment goes. And, and equity trust, at least, is the one I'm most familiar with, probably. They have a brokerage service. So if you want to invest in stocks and, and bonds, you can you can do that at your own pace and whatever. I don't like it as much because I don't know enough about, you know, most stocks and I know how to do a, a, a fundamental analysis and I know how to do some other things, um, but I'm not as comfortable with that. So, so for money that I control, I want to invest it in what I know and I know real estate fairly well. Um, so and you can absolutely invest in real estate. You can do it in, you know, Jay and I did discuss this a bit, but you can invest in promissory notes so you can lend money. You can invest in, um, you, you can buy properties. You know, there, you can do equity partnerships. You can do you can do a lot of things. You can actually do wholesale deals and some transactional deals and stuff within your IRA. And all that money goes right back into that Roth IRA. And all of that, all of your your profits are then tax free forever. And you can do it in a traditional IRA too. It doesn't have to be a Roth. Then it's then it's tax deferred until mm-hmm. the time that you start to do withdrawals. And the important piece in that too is to understand what you're getting into because, and having a starting point because what you just described mm-hmm. going to in the military, the easiest route is TSP, mm-hmm. right? And the second step is like, hey, maybe I'll look at not a TSP. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying TSP is bad because you're you're forcing you have a forced savings plan at yep. least at mm-hmm. minimum, right? Which is great uh, because what you described in the beginning is hey. Everyone should have some liquidity. It's important to have that because when you when you put your money from in a self-directed IRA into real estate, you're losing some liquidity opportunities in that, which there's a pro and con to that. But understanding what your liquidity point needs to be is also important. And when we talk about putting putting money to work and deferring things and saying, do I really need this self-gratification 
now or not, because there is still, and, and I don't want to miss, don't miss this point. There is still some liquidity in direct self-directed 401k because you could take those rents. You could take other piece as ordinary income and let the yeah. equity happen and grow somewhere else. Right. So you, you can actually sp- self-direct and split uh, how you take income, which I, I think is a, a genius play. And you can decide your liquidity. There's a lot of different ways to kind of to split that up and, and to do things. But what I would suggest is if you don't have anything, force yourself to have a four savings plan first, right? Force yourself to create some buckets to which you're directing, to which you're saying money go here, not here. And if you start building that, if those neural pathways, then you start building, man, what did I not know? And then you start directing your money somewhere else. And then you start directing your money somewhere else. And all of a sudden people are starting to come to you like, I don't know at what point, And I, I don't believe I even know this today. I became the mentor, not the mentee, because I'm always looking for mentors, but just somehow it happens that now people are coming to me. And I just think I made enough mistakes to know what not to do. (laughs) So I like that. That's where you learn from though. Like the harder things, which Ryan was talking earlier, the Edward Jones thing too, where just one of the, again, I kind of keep going back to just doing something. You're talking about the Edward Jones stuff, you know, like we're talking now about like, you know, trying to prevent taxes. Let's, let's just, we're really just trying to not get hit as hard with taxes, you know, with IRA type stuff, but you're in the position to make some of those things happen or make some of those choices because you took a step early on with something that someone else manages, right? Like instead of just saying, Oh, if I don't know how to do it or something, I'm not going to do it. You took a step and go, Hey, I'm going to start just pushing money into stuff. Let someone else take care of it. Cause it's better than not, not doing it. Yeah. And that creates opportunities down the road. And that's the thing that that's better than waking up in TJ. <laughs> right. It costs a lot of money. It can, it can, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? There's an opportunity. What are you talking about? What just happened? You know, better than not waking up. But I think that, you know, Again, that puts yourself in that position to move forward. And secondly, because we were, you were uh, talking about Robinhood earlier and, you know, uh, Robinhood was huge, especially in crypto, all the crypto coins and stuff have been huge again too. Equity trust also, you can actually trade crypto and equity trust. So all the crypto millionaires now are there want to be millionaires and stuff. You're going to get the shit slapped out of you with taxes. So one way might be to, to do some of it in something like an IRA, you know, self-directed IRA. And I don't want to diss Robinhood because I think it's actually one of the best platforms to trade on. So I'm just saying, I have it too. I'm just saying there's a difference between a Wall Street trader Mm -hmm. and a retail trader. Mm -hmm. And don't be the retail trader that just, you know, be be knowledgeable enough to know what you're doing because now you have access to a a Wall Street type Mm -hmm. platform that you may or may not know who's actually controlling what. Yeah. It's true. We're going to take it back around to uh, when we were talking earlier about the, um, you, know, you just talked about again, about making mistakes, like that, then you become a mentor because of all like wisdom you get from these mistakes. But earlier when uh, Ryan talked about like the mission planning, right. And, you know, kind of building your plan and, and that risk, the risk that you kind of either mitigate or take your factor into that. Also, when you're talking about those mistakes, 
you, if you just take a little bit of time, sometimes it only takes five minutes. Sometimes it might take a little bit longer to dig into, but do like the, like after, you know, after the project, after the mistakes, do like a critical debrief or like an after action type report thing, you know, to kind of go back to those terms and just take a look and go, Hey, what could have been done better? Where did I waste? Where did something that go wrong that was in my control or was out of my control? It, you're still going to have mistakes the next time, but by reckoning those, those things, nothing's a loss then, right? You know, whatever things didn't go right now you've learned from. So it makes it a little bit easier. Sometimes you can't control everything, but maybe you can recognize it sooner, you know, certain things, or maybe there's some things you can control. And by taking that little bit of time, you don't have to make the same mistakes over and over and over. Cause you want to learn from new mistakes, right? Like not the same ones over, which you know, sometimes I do that too. It's on you. And it's, it's not something you have to beat yourself up about for those mistakes. Right. So like we talked about Edward Jones and I had a Roth and, or have a Roth and then something you've invested in. Like that's traditional advice. A lot of people would be like, Hey, put money away for the future. And that's smart. That's sound. Mm -hmm. If you're ready to take the next step, that's kind of the area we're talking about Mm -hmm. now, but I'm not mad about myself because if anything, it's, I saved up a piggy bank. So now I have the opportunity because if I didn't invest it, you can only put in what 6,500 a year. Like that takes time to grow to a point where you can buy a property with that amount. So like, it's okay. Like don't beat yourself up about those past mistakes, but certainly utilize them and, and learn maybe not a mistake, but okay, that's the position I was in my yeah. life. And now how do I grow to the next stage? Because earlier Jared talked about, okay, that what got me from A to B is not going to get me from B to C. So learning and actually analyzing that, that portion of your life or where you are as an investor is really important. Don't keep doing the same thing if you're ready for the next step. And and look, there's no perfect deal. I've, I've well, I mean, somebody might've done one, but, but I've done hundreds of deals, multiple hundred properties. I've bought and sold. Um, I don't think I've ever done a perfect deal, right? You yeah. want to just continually try to get better. You know, hey, this is a good one. This is a like, base hits. You guys do home runs, but I just try for base hits and and, and just keep keep accumulating base hits. And and eventually, if you buy some properties, sooner or later, the tenant pays them off. Yeah. And and you know, it's not a get rich quick thing, but it is. A, it's kind of a get rich guaranteed thing. If you if you do it right, you're going to get there. Yeah. And I think it's just also important to understand your why, right? And that, that, that can be overused, but I'm not just buying properties for myself, right? Like I think about my sons and my the education that I'm going to be able to, to give them, not just in future, if they want to go learn a trade or go to college or whatever that may be, start a business. But currently, like I'll just share a quick story because I think this is amazing on on, on business and my son was cleaning out his room. I don't know if you saw this post. So, the paper uh, yeah. yeah. So awesome. he's like, dad, I want to sell these paper airplanes. And I'm like, well, well how are you going to sell them? Like he's six years old. And I was like, who's going to buy these paper airplanes? He's like, well, I could stay on the end of the driveway. And this is his ideas and sell these to our neighbors. I'm like, well, there's probably some reciprocity there. You could probably go door to door and sell these airplanes. But I was like, Duncan, I don't think, I don't think people are going to really want to buy these. And he, and he sat for a second. I go, well, what are, what are the other opportunities? Like when well, you're cleaning your room, you're getting rid of there. He probably had 60, 70 paper airplanes <laughs> that he had made in a box. And he goes, let's use that app that he is referring to Facebook and marketplace. <laughs> marketplace yeah. <laughs> let's use that app that he is. And I go, well, let's do that. That sounds like a great idea because more people are going to see it, but 
what what do you think what's the reason that people are going to want to buy these airplanes what's the reason that someone's going to want to make a decision and i was like you have to demonstrate what these airplanes are going to do and he took a minute and a half if you go on my facebook page and watch this video it's actually pretty amazing what he does he demonstrates this is the trick airplane this is the one that goes so far and he talks about it and he's like i'll sell this whole box for ten dollars he sold the airplanes. The total that he got was 70 bucks. No, boy. Holy cow. $70 for paper airplanes from the video that he posted <laughs> from people saying, I want to invest in you because you've taken the steps yeah. to learn how to really present a product. And like, I was, you know, messaging with people like, you don't understand how long it took us to get to this video and his confidence to be on camera and to do this video and to talk about things. And that's the piece that I think people forget. Once you do it once, you don't understand that you've cracked the code of just getting into it. And now you're, you're comfortable doing the next one, and the next one, the next one. So if a six-year-old can sell paper airplanes for 70 bucks mm-hmm. and think about that process, what can you do? What can you do in that incubator? What can you do investing? What can you do directing your Roth IRA by the knowledge that you may have or the tenacity that you may put into it? Then, then Jared, you know, had to follow up with one last lesson. So he taxed his son. Honestly, we, uh, we told him he had to donate a portion. He had to save a portion. Yeah. So he's buying some school supplies. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, might as well buy some paper. So some other kids can build some paper airplanes, right? right? Or And I said, well, what if we made a pattern? What if we put dots and show people how to fold the airplanes? Is it worth more? Maybe. Did you create a sweatshop? <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd like a paper airplane, yeah. go to... This was just a sales book, right? Yeah. <laughs> His book's coming next. Yeah. So I recently read John Greger. It was called uh, something about top... 10 reasons that the rich go broke or something like that. I don't remember the exact title, but one of the points he makes in there that, that's absolutely true is that we start forming beliefs at around the age seven and in the absence of anything else, those beliefs will harden by the time we're late teenage years. At no point in your school for most people, do they ever, do you ever learn anything about finances during those years? So your seven year old beliefs eventually harden, you know, in, in your teenage years, and now you spend the rest of your life trying to overcome what is the false narratives for the most part for people, right? And it's more challenging. So the fact that you're introducing your son to these concepts is is absolutely phenomenal because because the beliefs that are going to harden for him are much different than 99.9% of the rest of American kids. And that was my discussion with the people that are buying it. It's like, this isn't about buying an airplane. This is about building confidence with a six-year-old that if he sets his heart to something, he can do it. Cause he thought about it a little bit. He's like, man, we live in a, we live in a place where there's not a lot of neighbors, right? Like that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> there's not a lot of demand on our street for paper airplanes. <laughs> and, and I was so proud of that, that situation. And I think that again, I don't know when I became the mentor or the mentee because I'm still seeking those op- those oh, same I, opportunities out. Well, I don't think you ever stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're always going to be both to, to someone. Yeah. You're going to be yeah. one or the other to somebody, you yeah. know, just good though. There's some quote or phrase out there about like, when you think you know it all, you failed at that point. You have to continue to like yes. search something out. You don't know it all. And you'll, cause time one times are changing. So you have to continue to adapt in those changing environments. But 
you're never going to know it all to the point where you don't need someone to either bounce an idea off or ask for advice on, right. on something you're involved in. I just spent two days essentially behind the desk as a student yeah. and, and enjoyed every moment of it, you know, and, and just learning from, from those in the room around me and, and from the, the person leading the event and stuff. And I, I dedicate time every year, time and money every year to, to go do that and to be a, to be a student someplace yeah. uh, because it just opens the idea or opens the door for more opportunities. Right. I met people um, that I'm sure will affect my net worth. And I learned things that, that will definitely do the same. And so yeah, always be learning for sure. You guys do like socials in the park, right? I, I got your email recently for an event in August and same with Jay a few weekends ago. Those, those are opportunities for individuals who are very new to the game to come in and just have very normal conversations, you know, or, or, I mean, there's advertisements all the time for different things, but all you have to do is go put yourself in the environment or this sit yourself down in the seat. If it's for you, great. If you got something out of it, great. You didn't really lose a lot if you don't, but my bet is that you will, or your eyes will at least be open to the fact that there's potential and opportunity out there. Cause if, if you go, if you just go through your normal pattern of life every day and you're never going to be exposed to those outside opportunities that we're talking about that they basically come out of, they seem like they come out of thin air or like, Oh no, that was lucky that I met so-and-so. Yeah. There's an element of luck to it. Back to the NPR thing that at the end of the, at the end of the podcast, he always asks them how much luck was involved in your success. And they're like, okay, well I, I self-directed my own luck, my, you know, my opportunities because I put myself in the position. So yeah, you can't guarantee the encounters you're going to have, but you can improve your chances by continuing to put yourself out there. Yeah. Wow. Good one. And all I'm going to do is wrap it. I mean, we covered all, it's funny before we even started recording, recording this, we're like, let's, you know, throw down a couple of things that we get asked and stuff and, and put a little list of stuff. And we actually said, we'll probably get through one. And then the conversation will just go. And so for the last hour and four minutes, we we did one. We started one place and we've covered probably a bunch of stuff on here. And the rest doesn't matter because we covered, you know, really good stuff. But taking it back to the one thing that we were covering was how to get it started, right? So kind of just to go back to that, mm. to just, I mean, almost bullet point it that you don't need a lot to get started because there's different ways and just find that way. And back to we, one of our line items was creativity because creativity and deals, creativity and, and whatever you're investing in creativity and developing business, you know, and, and you even said a few minutes ago about finding something to, to fix, you know, if there's something wrong in business, if there's a, if there's a need and you find that you're going to have a business, if you, if you find a way to solve that for someone, that's a business, right? So, just getting into like, let's just go to real estate investing, trying to get started and worry about the cash thing. We um, just summarize, you know, like we didn't get too much into it. We've talked about a bunch before, but cash versus leverage, you know, if you don't have a lot of cash, you can still leverage, especially why rates are low. Right. But then it's, you said tonight, Jared, that, um, you know, it's about like the deal you get into, right. The numbers in the beginning, like what you get the property for to start with and what you're trying to do with it. So knowing that upfront can help you determine, you know, is it a profitable to leverage that deal? Right. Um, and sometimes it's better to leverage and keep the cash in your pocket to do the next deal. Cause then you can get to, you know, two good deals is better than one good deal. Right. And sometimes it's better to just know, I mean, to know the options. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, the one that we were putting together on, uh, 
a, a recent one, mm-hmm. VA investment, right? Second time use, second time use today comes with a 3.6 funding fee. Mm-hmm. Caveat, unless you put down 5%. Yep. If you put down 5%, you get 2% back. The funding fee is only 1.65. Yeah. Substantial. Substantial. For 2%. the price points we're talking. So so when you're buying a million dollar property and you can put down 50 grand and you get 20 grand back instantly and you have the opportunity to do that, it may or may not be the best thing to do. I don't know. It, could, it depends if you have that money and what that money could do for you. But I think it's important just to, to understand and to create that, yeah. that those events where you know, hey, this, this is what my money or this is what my thoughts or this is what my actions are creating. Because when, if it's just one plus one equals two, I, it's, it's not good. Yeah. It's, if it's a one-to-one return, it is not good. So how to get into it? Mm-hmm. Find a deal. Network with people. I'll say, say that one too about finding a deal. Like you can go out, like you said, knock on doors, do whatever. I'll tell, I'll say right now, if you're in San Diego, don't mean to speak for people here, but I'm gonna. So if you're in San Diego and you go out and you find a deal that you think is good, bring to us. Like really reach out, no shit, just reach out. And I guarantee you, you know, we'll help look over it. And if it looks like a good deal, cool, we'll do it with you. Yeah. We'll like, if you need funding, we'll, you know, we'll find a way to do the deal and partner with you on your first one. And then you can learn. If you're in San Diego, yeah, you know, Chris. Can, well, yeah. yeah, can I add something? Mm-hmm. So, first time investor looking mm-hmm. at it from like base level, there's a perspective element that comes to the table, right? If you've never looked at a home, if you've only ever rented, right? There is a there's like you hundreds of deals, right? You know, you guys have worked a lot of properties. For someone who's never even like gone into that realm before mm-hmm. it, it perspective is a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had friends who go, I go with them to look at their first homes and there's a lack of confidence there and saying like, well, I don't know what else is out. Is this a good deal? Because I have no perspective telling mm-hmm. me that it is. So my advice is if this is something that you're interested in, the question is how do you get started? Well, before you make a decision, sign on the dotted line, go look yeah. Like, so, yeah. So, so you know when you do find a good deal because jared can now look at a sheet a, you know a dotted line or just numbers on, on a paper and he can have a good idea if it's going to be a good deal or not you all can i can't and the people like me who are investing can't but i do have a better sense of oh, okay no this property is a, is g- gonna work for me this one's not because i've looked at you know, dozens of homes. Mm-hmm. So I would add, there's a perspective element that's sure. certainly important for first time investors. And the, and the, all you have to do is reach out and be like, Hey, I'm interested in it. I'm not ready to sign tomorrow, but I do want to start looking. Cause there's money in that too. Yeah. yeah. You find a deal and it's like, Hey, I don't want to do it. Sell it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks yeah. for that introduction. Here's 10 grand. Yeah. Just right? really. And, I can do now that. you're getting stuff. <laughs> now you're, you're funding your, what you want to do down the road. Yeah. yeah. I, to, uh, and Ryan about like going and looking at the deals, uh, you know, looking at the properties and stuff too. You can't sell short to the perspective because everyone has something different because I think at some point, sometimes we start looking at something different. It's only certain things like the, the numbers or how many bedrooms are, or how, you know, what it's going to take to, you know, maximize the use of it or whatever. And if, for instance, the, the IB ones, you know what the demographic, you know what the targets are, you know what we're trying to do because we want to provide a solution for a problem, mm-hmm. right? For that one too. Well, you have perspective on some of those things that you brought to it just from walking through that I probably wouldn't have thought of. You, you know, Jared probably wouldn't have thought of, but you know, of like, hey, you know what? This is kind of a need in these people's situation. 
this, you know, one of them being the washing machine stuff. That was a funny one, but, but even some of the other stuff too, you know, about like what's actually needed and what's not, you know, what would actually be appreciated in that situation and what's not, that's not a perspective I would have been able to have, not a perspective Jared would have been able to have. So again, I love doing deals like with partners because it's like one, it's then you're like hanging out with your friends and making money together. And then two, everyone, no matter what, everyone's going to have a little bit of a different something to bring to the table, you know? Yeah. And I'll share another example of this. Just gain knowledge, great gain knowledge. There's one I haven't, we have an escrow right now with someone else. So this is not necessarily a moneymaker, but I love helping people. I'm not going to be part of the deal where I know the person doing the real estate. I'm doing, doing the loan on it. It's one that Jay and I had talked about. Mm -hmm. The reason that we got that I suggested buying this deal, the person spelled the address wrong in the MLS. And when you look at the MLS and it shows a map, it didn't know where to put it and it put it in the wrong spot. So no (laughs) one was looking at it. And I'm like, this is a deal. (laughs) This is an opportunity. Now, the people that did see that and realized that it was a smaller pool, right? So not as much competition as listed for 810, ended up selling for 910. The appraisal came back higher than that. Yeah. But it was only a deal because someone missed a letter and putting it in the MLS and didn't map it in the right spot. So just that knowledge created a deal. That's how someone got that deal is because they realized and knew what that street really was that was supposed to be and where it was. So it's not, and when I say finding a deal, you can find a deal by knowing the names of a street versus the person who put it in the multiple, and people are like, there's not deals in the MLS, BS, right? There's deals there because we just bought a couple, Yeah, bought bought multiple of this. I've bought, actually every deal that I've bought has either been MLS or from another investor that passed on it. And it's working, and as Eric would describe them, as home runs. Yeah. <laughs> but not even like shoot, but again, not really trying for home runs. You know, we'll shoot for a single or double. Yeah, we weren't trying for it. But because we also knew how to do a seller carry back, to do other pieces, to leverage it differently, to create that funny word called arbitrage. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Time. I had to put it in there. And one more time. One more time. But if you don't know how to, if that person didn't know what they didn't know, they didn't know yeah. how to create that, that environment to make that deal happen. And, you know, we're going to be doing another one to partner up with a GC who happens to be able to build that cost to put four units on a place that has one unit on it right now. Right. Most people will be super scared. I'm like, no, I get to partner with the GC. Like he's in full control and he's done this multiple times. Like that's winning. Mm-hmm. Why are people passing on this job on this deal? Because their partner is the GC, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. we happen to just have that in our pocket. So I think that, you know, there's several ways to get into it. I mean, I've gotten deals because of, I knew someone who sold Pella windows and was going around door to door to people to try and sell them windows. And they wouldn't, didn't want to buy the, sell the windows because they, they just want to get out of the property. And the people would tell me about it and I'd pay that guy a wholesale fee, right? Here's a way to get a deal. Sell some windows. You get a real estate yeah. deal. <laughs> like, there's, pass on that one. there's so many ways to but do this. But fundamentally, that comes back to your network. Yeah. Right? You knew people. Yeah. And you put yourself in a position that gave you that opportunity. You know, Ryan just mentioned, you know, it, it's not necessarily luck, right? It, it's yeah. it's where preparation meets your preparation meets opportunity, right? Correct. And and so you, you put yourself in that position. And, and the opportunity came up and you're ready to take advantage of it. You, and so 
I also raised my hand and said, I'm a real estate investor. Yeah. So people just started sending me deals. Like they never knew anything other if I bought a deal or didn't buy a deal. And I happened to had had bought some, but I just raised my hand and said, that's me. I'm the person that wants to be a buyer right now. So what do people do? They send me properties. (laughs) I mean, that's the first way to get involved. Tell everyone that you want to buy real estate. Mm -hmm. People will start sending you deals. Mm -hmm. Do you have to buy them? No. Right? Say no. This one doesn't fit my criteria. Find me a better one. I mean, we <laughs> right? So, yeah. To me, it always comes down to three things, and, and I focus on these three things every year. Right? What action am I going to take? You know, what, what Brian talked about inaction. Right? What's the penalty for inaction? What action am I going to take? You know, what, what's my goal this year? What am, what am I going to try to do? Right? My community. Who am I going to network with? How am I going to? How am I going to surround myself with people who are mentors? With people who are better than me? With people who are maybe give me opportunities? Um, and education. And, and that, that's it, right? What do I need to know in order to be prepared so that when an opportunity comes up, I can take advantage of it? Yeah. Um, and who do I need to go find uh, to do that, right? When you're starting out, just find a couple of people, right? Go go to Jay, go to Jerry, go to Ryan, right? If you're starting out, they've got all, all the knowledge that you need. Just Buying drinks, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> to, to sit down and 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 get that knowledge from him. Buying drinks. Um, you know, That's what whatever it is, right? <laughs> Jay, is, Jay is, you know, running low on his bottle of whiskey over here. <laughs> so he needs another liquor in the cabinet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, you know, take him to lunch, take him to, to, to wherever they need to go. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> get him home from TJ. And whatever he has to create value in some manner. Um, but learn from him. And then as you grow, be, become more dedicated in education that you're, that you're seeking, right? You know, what is it? The next step might be learning about Roth IRAs or, or how to do creative financing or how to, you know, partner with somebody, any of those things. But it, it's really just those three things, action, community, and education. Mm-hmm. It's true. Very good. That's how you get started. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, I mean, we weren't really joking. I was saying earlier, you know, like if you find a deal, you're in San Diego, let us know. We'll do it. <laughs> that's, that's no joke. Absolutely do. But, but also, um, you don't have to be in San Diego for, you know, for us to help you out. So if, if anybody just wants a guide to where to start or to find a mentor or something, reach out to, you know, same, same way, just go to the, you know, go to the website and throw a message in and we'll find you a mentor wherever you are or something like depending on what it is like because we want to help people because the more people doing it honestly um, on our side too that just builds a network in other places as well so if we can direct you to someone that'll help help you learn we might need something later too you know we might need some you know information in a different area we might need need that and you as a mentor at some point so reach out if you want that if you want just ideas or run run things by how to get started how to you know find the initial deal or how to fund you know build up some funding for that reach out we'll, we'll help no matter where where you are but do send us deals if you're in san diego and let us know if you uh want to be involved in the incubator veteran active duty business why don't we put a date on it let's put a date on it here publicly well yeah self-plug i mean i guess we don't have a company or anything yet but i know we'll it. you're about to oh shit how long will it take us to buy a commercial building let's say by a couple months. We're going a couple months. Oh, that was aggressive. Yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Jay says, look, okay. So, I'm saying, like, by, I would say, end of 2021, we should be able to be through that and have, because that gives us time to set I'll up. I'll be calling structure. in for an update. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be out here every once in a while, you yeah. know? So, you say, end of year? I think so we, we'll can, I think we can have an appropriate business plan and strategy put together because here's the deal. Like, 
we can't control the market. We can't control the building that we're going to buy. We can certainly control what we can control. So can we have an, a, an effective business plan, an effective strategy put together that say, says, if the opportunity crosses our path, we will buy this and we will do it. And so if you're an investor that wants to get involved, if you're someone else, like, uh, you know, there's opportunity in that. Mm-hmm. So I I can commit to by the end of 2021, 100% having a strategy built on making sure that's that it'll be effective for the people joining an incubator, it'll be effective for us, and it'll be effective for time. Yeah. Because I always look at yeah, that yeah. like, okay, is this effective for a year or is this effective for a lifetime, right? Yeah. We, we can create that. But as, as far as having it up and running and going and effectiveness, I think... By the by, the end of the following year, it, it'll be rocking and rolling, and I, I hope that we're we can be less involved. If there's someone else that says, "I want to take this over and I want to be the incubator to the incubator," um, so let's go. If you're interested in that too, by the end of 22, I hope that we have an executive director right of uh, said incubator, mm-hmm. so that we can help mentor and incubate and be a part of many, many, many people's hopes and dreams. So we're doing at least a small version in 2021, whether we have a business or not. That's what I just heard from that. <laughs> Done. Game okay, on. cool. Game on. There we I go. Got one going right here. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of right. Like, yeah, we can do it here. We'll just do it somewhere. All right, cool. Well, that's a done deal then. We'll, we'll do that. And anything, what else? Well, I think on that, like if we want to, if we want to actually do something, I mean, I, I, it's not a ton of seed money, but I think that we can, we can even set aside some seed money without a building, without that network to oh, see yeah. like, Hey, if you're if you're someone with a good idea, that's a veteran that is especially in a, a linked space that we're in. We'll provide some seed money to help you get a business going and and, and build it. Game, game yeah. on. Yeah, of All course. Right. I mean, shit, we're doing it anyway. <laughs> like honestly, it's like, how many hours? Like yesterday, I think I had two hour conversation just with someone that probably won't be investing anytime super soon, but just to give them that baseline. And then we pass them to you to get his finances in order. And, you know, it might be way down the road, but absolutely. man. the more people we help, the more people that. Yeah. Well. And if you're in the military, there's certainly opportunities with us. I have someone starting with SkillBridge uh, the end of this month, which is an amazing opportunity uh, to talk about the expense ratio working. Then the military is paying for this person to hang out with me for six months. That's pretty dope, right? Like to transition them into a, a career in lending and real estate. So to get a taste to do that, it's called SkillBridge. If you don't know about that program, you're in the military, learn about it. And uh, we have successfully uh, had multiple people come through the SkillBridge program to become uh, real estate loan officers, mentors in, in our company. So that's a great place to start. If you're in the military and you're, think- you're thinking about getting out, look into SkillBridge. Yeah, that's huge. That's perfect. Um, Ryan, anything from you, man, before we take off? Man, I, I feel like I said my piece. I shared some examples. I guess I, I give the last one. And, and it's like, it's it was probably three, four weeks ago. Uh, you were on the phone call with a veteran who was looking at real estate. He's looking at investing. And all he wanted was a second opinion of someone who is in very similar shoes. So you say, hey, give him a call. He, he called me up. We talked for about oh, yeah. 30 minutes. Um, and he was asking all the right questions. And I think, I mean, we've been talking a lot about reaching out and just getting started for him. That's what it took, you know, to get started is all he just wanted to hear from another like individual Mm -hmm. who could relate to the questions that he was asking some of the, some of the risks, 
the risk of inaction, some of the fears that he had, you know, I didn't put them all down. Like I, I spoke yeah. to him honestly about yeah. s- similar things that I had. Um, but I think that was, it was good for him. It was good for me. Cause I have to rehash some of those things in my own head. Right. So, uh, you can be that person if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, Hey, I just want to talk to someone like there's people on the other end of the line that can, uh, talk you through it or at least hear your concerns. Yeah. It, that, um, that same individual is actually looking at three unit properties this weekend so there <laughs> because it also takes people sometimes to one person can explain it as much as one and they hear it, hear it from a different voice or a different angle, or, or there might even just be a piece that Ryan has or an experience he has that that answered something this guy kid's head that he maybe didn't ask the question, you know what I mean? But it was back there. And then after that, he's like, dude, thank you so much for like, you know, connecting me with Ryan and let's roll. He's like, I uh, busy this week work. Let's, let's do it next week. Like it just takes that sometimes, right. Having somebody to, to go back to. Yeah. And my, my bet is he will be better off for taking that step, you know, without a doubt, without a doubt. He's in a better place now than he was a month ago. Yeah, I think so too. What about you, Eric? Anything before we send you back to Louisville? Now that I know that you didn't come out just for the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> I spilled the beans on that. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, I, I would go back to somewhere there in the middle of the conversation where we talked about uh, yeah. control, right? Somebody is going to control your finances. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to control your time. I think that person should be you. <laughs> I, I just think it is you're doing yourself, you're doing so, your family, yeah. you're doing so your friends a, a huge disservice if it's not you. So take the actions, find the right people, and and get yourself educated and, and get started. You know, the, it's it really comes down to that. Take control. Jay, you got anything about? I already, right. you're, you're I said all my stuff, and you, and you do not get actually. You don't get to talk anywhere. I want to hear arbitrage <laughs> another time on this freaking episode. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Now I just really do appreciate you guys like taking the time. I mean, it's always good talking to you guys. We talk all the time, but to really um, set aside a specific time to come sit and let people listen to what you guys have to add, you know, and the value that you guys bring. So I definitely appreciate that. And that's it. Let's just have another, uh, shut this off and have another whiskey. Thanks for the drinks, Jim. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. See ya.